Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. There's so much talk about the property market, about whether house prices have bottomed, how far they've got to go, the impact of further rate rises. We sometimes forget about some of the alternate property assets, commercial property. And I wanted to look at that today. Things like investing in pubs, aged care, social housing and the like. Remember, this is general information only and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. Rupert Blunden is a real estate and equity market specialist and investment director at Jemison TTB, an alternative asset management firm. Rupert, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thanks for having me, Sean. So where are you looking in the property market at the moment? Yeah, perfect. I mean, I think probably best to describe Jamis and TTB and what what we do and how we're positioned. We're a real estate private equity firm, solely focused on real estate in Australia, and we focus primarily on assets that are in transition. So, be that your pure development, refurbishment, or a reposition. Mm-hmm. So, really, I guess to to dull that down is everything outside of core investments. So, you know, core income investments. The the sectors that we're heavily focused on are commercial real estate. Office is one of them, but that extends to industrial, self-storage, aged care, social housing, NDIS, certain residential apartment or townhouse developments, childcare, a range of different real estate sectors. Okay. So if we look at some of those, how, how do you judge firstly? How do you judge office First industrial, I kind of get that, but aged care or social housing or childcare, you're going to say it all just comes back to the uh, to the numbers, the yield you're getting on it. But as an investor, how should I think about all these different classes of property? Yeah, I think like any investment, I suppose it comes back to the numbers, but and you can get caught in the trap with real estate at really just looking at the yield. But for us, as sort of identifying value in real estate markets, what we look at are the end users of the the properties that we're investing in and then assess the suitability of the the property, the development that we're investing in to that end user. So in the case of a childcare, a self-storage or an aged care, the things that you might consider are the location, the, the price point that the end product is being offered at the broader need for uh, development in that sector. So if we take aged care or we take even apartments that that are aiming for the over 55, over 65 bracket, then the overarching theme that supports that investment narrative is an ageing population, an ageing baby boomer population, you know, moving from their house in the case of trying to downsize to an apartment or, you know, moving from an apartment, a house, their accommodation to retirement, then into higher care, aged care. So it's more of the qualitative factors that will define whether we'll invest or not. I guess that's the first stage of what what we look at. The second is going to be how you can invest or acquire that asset. We don't acquire assets in our own right 99% of the time. We invest into capital stacks, primarily in some form of structured credit. So we've got to make very sure that we're actually buying in at the right price and the asset is worth what it needs to be to show a profitable development. Okay. How much harder is that when, when bond yields are higher? as a result of rising interest rates, the comparisons to what you're buying into 
become harder, but is this more of a long-term investment? So it's perhaps not as important as I'm making it out to be. It becomes harder because when bond yields are low and yields are low because capital's flooding into whatever asset class, you can get swept up and just invest on the basis that the yields are always going to decrease and improve. So it becomes harder to transact on assets because as you see, real estate's longer dated. And if you're going to buy into a structure where the price might already be set, what you're looking at on the where forecast yields are going to go, you might find a lot of the investments that you look at are mispriced and overvalued. Stay with me, Rupert. We'll be back in a minute. My guest this morning is Rupert Blunden, Investment Director at Jemison TTV. So, if we go to some of those sectors, we talk, you talked about aged care there. You've mentioned self-storage a couple of times without kind of divulging whether you're involved or not, like whether you're invested or not. What is it about self-storage which is good? Self-storage, a few things with self-storage. The demand for the end user is growing as people downsize, move houses, change locations. Obviously, that occurred to quite some extent, you know, from the, you know, the city to regional migration and, and back again. It's an underdeveloped asset class in terms of the need and the income profile is is relatively sticky. The other benefit is in terms of the structures themselves, the construction cost is somewhat lower. It doesn't include a basement and the construction program after planning approvals and everything else is also of a shorter duration than by comparison an office building. That also provides you some protection to changing market conditions. If the average lifespan of a, of a, a building in the CBD is five years from buying the site to getting the planning to building it, well, a whole range of things can happen in that time, right? I mean, in the last five years, if you look at the office market, you've, you've, you've had COVID, people moving away, you've had the work from home flexibility, supply chain issues, what else in that Time frame. If you can shorten the duration of your investment time frame, that allows you to have a keener sense on what the yield might be and you're less exposed to factors outside of your control. The other area of self-storage that we like is that if you're looking at it from a longer term, I mean, we typically like to be in and out of our investments between 12 to 24 months. Sometimes it's longer depending on the profile. But an inner city infill self-storage location is basically a shed. And if you're holding that asset longer term, eventually that can be repurposed into something else. And you would assume that the secondary exit in the longer term for an infill self-storage location might be a residential apartment development. So there's sort of multiple exit strategies there. And the basic build means that if for whatever reason you got towards the end of construction before the fit out of the self-storage and you did want to repurpose it for another use... Um, that just provides security of investment. Okay. What about um, social housing? You mentioned that as well. Is there a good investment thesis for social housing at this point? Well, social housing, affordable housing, and, and even disability housing, there's you know, a quantified shortfall in the, in that space. And it's, it's little understood by investors in the market, um, not because they don't have the capacity to, but potentially they don't have the time because the the transaction sizes are smaller. There's very strong operators in the market who will lease or take over those assets on an operating 
agreement. And and again, if we take into account, you know, what's gone in the last two weeks with Silicon Valley and a tightening, Silicon Valley Bank, Credit Suisse, and a tightening of credit markets that causes a bit of global unrest at the macro level, people who need affordable housing or in the case of disability housing don't really discriminate to what's going on in macroeconomic conditions, that they have a genuine need for that housing. Often there's government support in the form of rental rebates or rental support. So you do have a nice floor for your income and you've got a demand for the end user that I guess is less impacted by unforeseen economic or geopolitical shocks. Yeah. Okay. The other one, just to, uh, I mean, recently there's been plenty of media about spectacularly large prices paid for pubs. Are pubs a good investment? Pubs are a a great investment. It comes back to how Jamison invests. We don't invest in core assets. Um, Uh, And and, and given given the size of of our firm, we don't get the opportunity to invest in in large pub portfolios for the beach hotel in Byron Bay. Our largest investment is in a portfolio of pubs, but the strategy is with the counterparty that we are working with, they are going and inquiring owner-operated pubs in in and around Sydney and Melbourne that are underutilised, under-renovated and under-trading. Buying those pubs at a significant discount, then refurbishing, repositioning and eventually selling. And the likely strategy there is combining a number of those styles of acquisition and selling. So that type of investment for us means that you're not solely, when you buy a cool pub, reliant on yield compression, which I don't think anyone can rely on in the short to medium term. It's reliant on improving the income, maximising the space. And so that in itself allows for both an improvement in the income stream and potentially an improvement in the capitalisation rate and what you acquire it for because a rundown pub is going to trade at a much higher cap rate than a core at any given point in the market. Rupert, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thank you very much. That was Rupert Blunden, Investment Director at alternative asset management firm Jemison TTB. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Remember, this is general information only and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.